Welcome to Quarantine Good, the only podcast that looks at the things that you've started doing since the beginning of the COVID pandemic and decides whether they're actually good or you're being held hostage by the world's circumstances. I'm David Twighty. And I'm James Hamilton. We are the two guys who will be judging how you spend your time. David, how you doing? Oh man, I'm jacked up. I've just been drinking caffeine all morning. Oh, that's... Shaking like a leaf, baby. How are you, James? <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. I finished my second very large bottle of Tapatio since the quarantine started. So <laughs> uh, I'm feeling accomplished and good. And that's uh, big, man. Yeah. I mean, Hot sauces large. and chapsticks. It's hard to get to the end of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and these are large bottles. Uh, I'm also particularly excited. We have a great guest today. Uh, she's a writer. She's an editor, and she's here with us today. Please welcome Brandy Jensen. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Tell us how, you know, in a general sense, how has quarantine treated you? It's been fucking awful. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate it. I really, uh, yeah, it's kicked my ass. I sort of thought at the beginning um, that I would actually be well-suited for quarantine because I was like, oh, I can be depressed and stay home. Like, I've done that. <laughs> Got That's, a lot of practice, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm really, I've been training for this shit my whole adult life. Um, but it's it's much, much, much worse when, like, everybody else is stuck in the same boat that you are. Um, and then you also lose your job. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's an important distinction. Yeah, just, you know, endless expanses of time and not a lot of um, options for filling it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and you're in New Orleans, and I feel like that time would be spent going, you know, generally going to bars or like being social or, you know, something of the sort. And that's not really a thing you could do. You actually moved during this, right? I did. I moved during the pandemic. Um I mean, I lost my job and I was like, I'm not going to try to pay New York rent as a freelancer. I just mm. like fundamentally lack hustle. I'm not a person who hustles. Um, so there was yeah. no way <laughs> I was going to try and um, make uh, New York living expenses work as a freelancer. So yeah, I moved to New Orleans having never been before. <laughs> just, Ever. Never. Never been. Never in my life. Nope. Wow. How's that worked out for you? It's yeah. been great. It's great. I figured it, I mean, I figured it like, what's the worst that can happen, right? I've never, yeah. I'd never, I'd never met anybody who came back from a trip to New Orleans and was like, it was fine. Like everybody, <laughs> everybody really raves about the city and I knew that it was going to be cheaper and I knew that it was going to be warmer. And so I could still like go outside in the winter. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> I feel like, I lived in New Orleans for, for quite a while and there's like a pipeline of people who move from New York to New Orleans because everything in New York that you kind of have to endure and don't like about living here, then when you go to New Orleans, you're like, oh my God, this is the best possible like thing that could be happening. The, like yeah. the ways that people socialize and are kind of like out and the weather and the space and all these things while still like having like a pretty enriching kind of social culinary 
artistic like thing going on as well uh, yeah it's which, sort of like yeah. like snowbirds but creatives like people who decide to yes. like yeah. winter <laughs> winter in new orleans yes yeah i mean there's all of that i really i'm canadian originally and so um as much as i love the kind of like efficiency and anonymity of New York. I was surprised by how much I missed just like chatting with people in the street. <laughs> yes. You know, I, I'm, I'm originally from Minnesota and it's like a similar thing where it's like, I've lived on the East coast for so long now that like when I go home and people are like saying hi to the bus driver, it's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> chatting with strangers on the street though is very quarantine good. Right. Like I hadn't realized how much I had missed just these very low stakes human interactions of like, oh, Oh, definitely. Other people like recognize that I exist. I haven't like died in some (laughs) fundamental way. I'll probably get sick of it in a year and just turn into like a horrible curmudgeon again. (laughs) But for now, it's great. So, uh, Brandy, uh, we, uh, you wrote a, you wrote an article on Defector, uh, about, uh, something that you started uh, doing during quarantine that I thought really fit the theme of this show. And uh, so what what have you what is the activity that you're bringing us today? <laughs> um, today, I am talking about uh, reading all 24 uh, Jack Reacher novels by Lee Child <laughs> in, in a little under a year. <laughs> I, I just want to stress for everyone listening. In case you missed it, sandwiched in all those words. There are 24 of these books. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was devastated when I finished and I was like, fuck, I'm out of these things. What am I going to do? <laughs> so I have so many questions and I'm really excited. I, re- I really enjoyed your article and I'm excited to talk to you about this. But can we start maybe, and for people who are listening who, who maybe don't know what these books are or who Jack Reacher is, can you give us like a, a, a brief overview of this? Yeah, sure. Uh, so Jack Reacher uh, used to be a U.S. Army MP, military police. Um, and the way that it's often described in the books is that um, because he's hunting down, you know, like special forces guys and Delta Force and Green Beret guys, he has to be tougher than the toughest guys in the army, which is, of course, like on the face of it, total bullshit. The army does not save their <laughs> toughest guys to police their own. They send them out to like kill brown people. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. The army is like we're all about accountability. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's you know this like super tough um, troop cop, and he is. <laughs> He's physically enormous, which is something that, you know, is a major factor in all of the books. He's six foot five, uh, anywhere between like 220 and 250, depending on the book in the series. Sometimes he (laughs) slims down a little bit. And he's got um, just tremendously enormous hands. They are (laughs) described. Every time, it's one of the delights of the series is when you stumble upon like a new way that Lee Child has described how large his hands are. They're like dinner. They're like dinner plates. They're like supermarket chickens. (laughs) In pro wrestling, they always used to say that the Big Show had hands like canned hams does that one come up at all uh i don't i don't know that that is a food reference i've seen chickens i've seen turkeys i don't know (laughs) that i've seen canned hams that not only is that they were the size of turkeys no they weren't that is also such a silly way to describe something that's supposed to be scary so he he leaves the army and he decides 
Um, because he was raised on military bases around the world, his father's a U.S. Marine, his mom is French, um, his mom also uh, calls him Reacher, his name is Jack Reacher, but his mom doesn't even <laughs> use, even his mother doesn't use his first name, just calls him Reacher. Uh, so after he leaves the army, he decides that he'd like to see America, because he's never really spent a lot of time here, even though he's dedicated his life to, you know, uh, hoorah, protecting the country. Um, and so he just uh, sets off as a drifter. <laughs> and he, he travels the country uh, by bus, by train. He hitchhikes a lot. And he stops off in diners. He drinks black coffee. And then, you know, of course, it always just so happens that that small town in Nebraska or whatever is secretly run by, like, a narco-trafficking agency. And so he has to, <laughs> he has to take them all down. <laughs> I mean, I was just thinking about hitchhiking and like picking up a guy that size feels risky to me, but also he must be so good at thumbing with those huge hands. The, the hands, yeah, that's, that's just like be. a, it's like a billboard. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what are some other important facts about, so he drinks just a prodigious amount of coffee, always black. Um, he doesn't own anything. <laughs> that's also he has he has he no nothing. possessions. He has no possessions. He uh, they have to write it in that after nine eleven he ends up having to have like a bank card and a passport. But prior to that, he owns nothing. Um, what he does is he will uh, buy an outfit and then just keep wearing it until <laughs> it gets too dirty, and then he'll throw it away and buy a new one. <laughs> Very inefficient. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> it's not. But I mean, for him, it's that's more efficient than having to like then buy a suitcase, which you'll have to take around. And that's you know he's as right. like, pathological fear of settling down. So yeah, so, that's that's my my best friend Jack Reacher. Are these books related, like? in terms of there being an arc and they kind of build on the, the, the myth of Jack Reacher as they go, or is each one or like even character overlap besides Jack Reacher from book to book, or are they kind of each self-contained? They're pretty self-contained. You can pick up any Jack Reacher book and you're not really going to miss uh, anything from previous books. They're all they They all function as standalones. There are some characters who um, appear. They are also, he, you know, it's, He'll occasionally do standalone books that take place like in the past, back when he was still in the army. He also switches. Some of the books are first person and some of the books are third. Um, mm. It's mm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's always a little surprise what, what you're going to get when you pick up a new book. But no, you certainly don't have to like start at the first one and, and go through them methodically. You can just grab whatever, whatever one you happen to see in like, of a free little library or wherever you might want to pick up a Jack Reacher book. This man, the, the author's writing 24 of these books, so he had to mix it up somehow. So if that's just going from first person to third person, I mean, I get it. I he get writes it. one yeah. a year. He's written one a year every year for 24 years. He always starts them on the same day. Uh, apparently... <laughs> When he sits down to write them, he has no plan of what the book is going to be about or what the plot is going to be. He sits down, starts with like an opening sentence, and then figures it out from there, which is like one of the more maddening facts that I have ever come across. It's so upsetting. That's fucking it's, it's, that I, it upsets unhinged. Me. <laughs> like, 
no outline, no prep. Jack Reacher is on a bus. He's going to run into somebody. Yes. Who? I don't know. <laughs> he, he is a, an absolute genius about plot. Like, these are very intricately plotted books. And so the idea that, you know, Lee Child just sits down and, like, some sort of you know, muse, <laughs> you know, uses him as like a vehicle is it is it is deeply upsetting to me to think that it works that way. Uh, like when I, you know, have put in more effort into like some of my mediocre tweets, like it's really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First of all, I was just wondering, like, how did you land on this? Like, how did you start these in the first place? Well, so I don't exactly have like the most literary tastes in a gen- in a normal year. Um, I, I read a lot of genre. I tend to read sci-fi fantasy, um, and I've been reading like a few more thrillers just because I, you know, I, I picked up a couple from recommendations from friends. Um, and then when I got laid off and had you know all of this time on my hands, I was like, all right, I should you know maybe maybe be reading like good stuff and then I tried and just couldn't, couldn't get into anything I kept <laughs> putting books down after you know 20 pages 50 pages like just really couldn't couldn't get started on anything that was actually good um and my old roommate uh had recommended the Reacher books I'd seen the movie starring Tom Cruise which when you read the books yes. it becomes like enormously frustrating incredible casting it's so upsetting to me yeah so i'd seen the movie and my old roommate said like oh they're actually you know they're worth reading and they're pretty like they're pretty they're page turners and that i figured that was kind of what i needed just to get you know get me reading again and i read the first one uh, in a day and i loved it and so then i read <laughs> then i read the second one and the third one and that's kind of how it started i just they were books that I could that I was finishing, and I wasn't finishing reading anything else, so I just kind of clung to it. <laughs> I so David knows this, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. But one of the first things that I did in quarantine is I watched all the Marvel movies in release order. I talk about it too much; it's become an important <laughs> part of my personality for some <laughs> reason. I don't know why, but um, there is there was a point in that like endeavor where I was like pushing myself through because I could see the wheels or I could see like the, how the, how it was made. So as I was watching like a new one, I was like, Oh, let me guess. This is the part of the plot where, you know, the, the team breaks up and they go their separate ways. There's always Um, an argument over something stupid. Yeah, exactly. And you start to see this, but I pushed myself through it was ultimately glad that I did. But when you're thinking about 24 books, was it all effortless? Or at some point were you like, did you have to become resolute? I'm going to accomplish this undertaking. Um, I didn't set out to read all 24. And like, certainly some of them are real stinkers. Like they're not uniformly um, excellent. <laughs> but I really, I mean, even in, even in that um, kind of like the formulaic nature of something like a Marvel film or a Jack Reacher novel there's something comforting there there's you know that familiarity and uh the more i read them the more i got uh sort of good at solving the puzzle like just before reacher did which is a very satisfying Mm. thing about reading mysteries and thrillers you don't want to figure Mm -hmm. it out too early but i also uh, i like figuring it out you know just before it all clicks together in the plot um i like to you know really pat myself on the back for being a big genius 
So, <laughs> um, yeah, you feel accomplished for finishing the book. You feel accomplished for solving the crime. You got a lot going for you. These here. books really help to prop up your own idea, or your own estimation of your intelligence. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yes. I mean, the great thing about that is if you believe, if you take Lee Child's word for it, you figured it out before he did, too. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's true. That is... <laughs> what is the difference between one of these Jack Reacher books and like a Tom Clancy book or something else that you might see at, at, a, at an airport, you know? So I try, I've tried a number of other um modern uh like sort of airport thriller writers um and i found most of them uh wanting compared to lee child i think he's really like at the height of the of the genre so uh i find a lot of contemporary thrillers are just wildly islamophobic in ways that i find really <laughs> outputting <laughs> yeah tom, tom clancy in particular yeah yes yeah you've just got these you know um mad jihadis running over running all over the world and it, like that just makes me a little bit queasy um so what I'm not interested in is like justifying uh, my own enjoyment of the books by trying to claim that they have like good politics or that they're like, <laughs> interesting ideologically because they're not. But um, <laughs> Lee Child does write like some some good women. They're not all like you know Bond girls. Um, a lot of the women that that um, Jack Reacher encounters along his travels are uh, smarter and stronger and uh, more competent than he is. And he, you know, he fucks them and then they decide that, you know, they deserve better than Jack Reacher and they go off along their way. And, um, I think Lee Child gets to like a, a real fundamental truth about America, which is that like everywhere in every town in America, it is kind of run by bullies and that, you know, mm. there are... They're just these um, kind of like local tyrants in these small towns across America. And, you know, they don't necessarily, they're not, um, you know, running Blackwater. They maybe own some car dealerships, but they're still making your life worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I think that's, that's kind of like a, tr a true thing about this country that, that Lee Child understands and uses um, in plotting some of his novels. David and I have talked about a lot of different quarantine activities that people have taken, you know, undertaken or whatever. And I think for a lot of people that's like law and order or procedural or, you know, any other type of kind of like cop based story. And I think what's interesting about this one is that Jack Reacher, just in terms of the politics, exists outside of all of that. So there is room for the bad guy to be the cops. The bad guy, the bad guy is, is fairly often a corrupt cop, which is which is not to say the Reacher is like unambiguously a force for good, even though like he's presented that way in the novels. But let's be clear, the man is a sociopath and a murderer. And like <laughs> he does he does a lot, just a, like an unfathomable amount of extrajudicial murder. He's not like a good <laughs> good guy. Do you have like a ballpark sense of what his his body count is over the course of 24 novels uh like probably 250 people like it's yeah he kills a lot of people per book <laughs> like it's not it's not just one because like the the main bad guy often has henchmen you gotta go through right. and For sure. and he he was not you know he's like a dirty fighter he shoots guys in the back he kicks them in the balls constantly <laughs> like it's <laughs> so i have 
now seen this movie. I watched okay. the Tom Cruise movie. And first of all, knowing that one of the defining characteristics of Jack Reacher is that he is a LeBron James size man. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then you see Tom Cruise. It's not just bad casting. It's a realization of, oh, this is how Tom Cruise sees himself. He sees himself as a six foot five, 250 pound man who, when he walks in the room, everybody's like, I'm not going to fuck with that guy. And, and I felt at least in the movie cheated out of the experience of having this enormous presence because, you know, like in the movie, there's the scene where it's like, you know, Jack Reacher comes into the office in the, in the quarry towards the end and he you know is speaking to the top bad guy or whatever and you would think in that little room a six foot five 250 pound man f would fill the room it would be <laughs> terrifying to see him enter in and cast a shadow everywhere but tom cruise comes in and it doesn't feel that way at all well so what the movie uh really fails to capture and i'm not even sure how it would go about capturing this is that um Jack Reacher isn't really like an action oriented guy. Most of what's happening is he's like sitting and kind of noodling over a problem. Like he's really, he's not, which is not to say that he's like smart or wise, but he's very cerebral. He's very like puzzle oriented. So a lot of the book's um, propulsion comes from like him sort of like figuring things out or putting a puzzle together. And so that's a little bit harder to capture on screen. Like he's not just you know, walking around throwing punches without really understanding what's going on. He's um, he's a little bit more cerebral than that. So that's kind of hard to capture in an, in an action movie. They are making um, a TV show for Amazon mm. Prime, and they promised to cast the largest actor they could find. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Because the, the fans got upset. I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie, to be clear. I mean... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Yeah. You know, there are like a number of books that you wouldn't be able to adapt with Tom Cruise because the plot like very much hinges on Jack Reacher's size. In one of them, the like <laughs> the the big bad is a Mexican drug lord who's like four foot eight. He's Ben Shapiro sized. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so he's this like tiny uh murderous uh drug dealer who um, Reacher has to fight in the end, and how they set that up is they he he has them both down in an underground bunker with very very low ceilings. So Reacher has to be on his knees fighting this guy, <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's able to fully stand up because he's very small. Yeah, right. Yeah, see that's you're in my world, big man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's funny. I don't care who you are. That is... It's genius. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but you you were talking about how much time he spends just uh, like like thinking about stuff. And one one of the things I really liked about your article is you talk about the dad logic of Jack Reacher. Yeah, so he has uh he has what I refer to in the piece as uh as dad wisdom, which is that he just sort of like will very casually toss off these little bits of these like facts that he clearly believes in. Uh, and if you think about them for like a second, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> like he's got, <laughs> he's got this idea. So he, he often um, has to track people. That's what he did as an MP. He would have to like find people who went AWOL. And so he's got all these theories about 
um, how human beings are like naturally inclined to stay at the second motel out from the bus stop because of like some evolutionary (laughs) psychology. He's got one about how right-handed people will um, walk counterclockwise because their left legs are fractionally shorter than their right legs. Is that is that true? It, no, it can't be. I mean, like <laughs> it can't. That can't be true. Maybe maybe if true. you're walking like a vast distance, uh, at some point that will become true. But certainly you're yeah. not. You know, in like a, in a field, you're not going to walk in a circle because your left leg is slightly shorter than your right. So, but he's got all of these these like bits of wisdom. That are clearly like not even a little bit true, um, but he's very confident about them, and it always pans out for him. And there's something about that, um, these kind of like tossed off nuggets of bullshit that I associate with like with dads. Well, one of my favorite lines in, in your essay is when you say, "The natural enemy of dads is not moms, but the ability to Google," uh, <laughs> which is oof, so good. But also, the funniest thing here is that the the king of dad logic is Malcolm Gladwell, who you mentioned is very into this book. He he loves the books. He's written about them at least two, maybe three times. I was absolutely thrilled to discover that he loves these books because like, of course he does. Of course he loves these books. Of course he does. Malcolm Gladwell (laughs) is just someone, like if you're a smart person who who really wants the world to be simpler than it actually is. Yes. This is your guy. This is your man, right? He's he's your guy. And Gladwell has a like totally insane bullshit theory about the Jack Reacher books or about thrillers. He, cause, cause Malcolm Gladwell's brain can like, can only understand the world by sorting it in ways that like make no sense to anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) In ways that are catchy. Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, so both for Reacher and for Gladwell, it's that, you know, it's something that like at first blush sounds like, okay, maybe. And then you like pause for a second and you're like, no, (laughs) (laughs) no, wait a minute. (laughs) This might not seem like it makes sense, but it does. What? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that is at, at a time like you know, a quarantine or within a person, like a personal difficult time, the content that you're consuming needs to have like zero obstacles or zero barriers to entry. Like you need to have like, you need to be able to move quickly. There can't be time for you to stop and think like there needs to be a tone that you enjoy being within like a world that is fun to exist within. And then they need to be good enough at what they do that you can't stop and think about it. And because as soon as you do stop, you're going to be like, wait, this like doesn't hold up. The the show that I that I love that I feel that way about is Luther with Idris Elba. Have you seen uh, that one? Yes, that's fantastic. Yeah, he's a, a, a London homicide detective who is worse at his job than like anyone. Like he's so disorganized and he doesn't like. The the way that the episodes always unfold is that there are like three murders and then he stops the fourth one. It makes <laughs> London look like the most cartoonishly dangerous place in the entire world. His best friend is a serial killer or a sociopath or whatever. And it's just like, all right, yeah, there have been... 17 major serial killers in London in just the past six months, but don't think about it that hard. 
<laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's like, that's always the case with, with mystery is that you have to believe that, you know, Cabot Cove, Maine just has people right. dropping dead yes. left and right. And yet somehow people still move there. It's like got the highest crime rate in the world. I feel like the key for any kind oh. of, for, for genre to be successful is that it at the very oh. least has to follow an internal logic. Like it doesn't have to map on necessarily to... yes to the outside reality. Um, but it, it can't break its own rules when it does that. That's when you sort of get thrown out of it and start to think like, wait a minute, do I trust that like the people in charge of this actually understand what's going on? I'm not sure I do. I, I, I always trust that Lee child is like that. I'm in capable hands when he's writing a thriller, even though, which is why it's so upsetting that it turns out that he doesn't have any plan for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that almost makes him seem like more virtuosic to me. It does. Just, it really uh, does. Yeah. yeah. If I've learned anything during the quarantine, I think I have personally learned to just let things be what they are, like in terms of content. Like if something exists, I think I've spent like a lot of my younger years being like, I would never watch a reality dating show because that's a dumb thing that exists in the world. But then as soon as I actually watched one and just let it be like, let it judged it by the, you know, the rules of the actual show and the actual genre, I was like, oh, okay, this isn't that bad. Like once you just let it be what it's supposed to be, and yeah. it feels like in terms of judging Lee Child's work, we have to keep that in mind. It would be easy to say, oh, these 24 books, like it it seems like it's a very light read, but it seems like he's, in terms of the genre, kind of the best at doing this at all. He's masterful at what he's doing and what, you know, which is why we need to be clear about what he's doing. He's not writing uh, literary fiction, you know, he's not. <laughs> there were some, a, a couple people got mad at me for saying he's not a poet because there's this like, Horrible. On the other end of, oh, I'm not going to watch reality TV, you have this like trend um, in cultural criticism to say that anything that I like must necessarily be artful. <laughs> you know, right. You've got to you've got to talk about how it's uh, an, a, how Marvel movies are like important works of art, which <laughs> I feel like we've, we've become so accustomed to kind of like elaborating our identities by way of um, our media consumption. And so if if we want to think of ourselves as sensitive and intelligent, then necessarily the things that we love have to be sensitive and intelligent because that's why we love them, mm, which is just like yeah. not that's not the case at all. <laughs> um, but uh, Lee Child, in terms of what it is that he's doing, which is, you know, writing like very uh, tight, very propulsive, very uh, plot driven thrillers, he's phenomenal. He's at the top of the game. Yeah. So at the end of 24 books, with the thing that we just said in mind, like not everything needs to be like this sort of like piece of art. It can just be what it is. At the end of 24 books and you look back, what are your reflections? Are you like, this was a great use of time because it helped me get through this? Or are you like, like, w yeah, what are your feelings at the end of a pretty impressive run of 24 books? <laughs> is it is it impressive? I mean... <laughs> I mean, I guess that's what the question is a little bit. <laughs> that's more books than I read last year, so. Yeah, oh, true, see, true. That's not even, I I didn't just read the Reacher books. I also read like 75 other books. I read a lot. So. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I read like other like sci-fi fantasy books. I didn't do a lot in terms of literary fiction last year. Um, 
how do I feel about it? I feel good about it. Yeah. I feel like, you know, sometimes there are very few things about which I'm a completist. Like that's not really how my brain works. And so it does feel sort of good to be able to say like, yes, I've done like, I've read all of those. I don't think it was a waste of time. Like what, what else was I going to be doing? What other <laughs> options were really available yeah. for me? Right? Like I was going to be watching the Resident Evil movies for the seventh time, or <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, given given like the the options available, the constrained options available to me during quarantine, I feel like it was a great use of time. It's also cool because now you can look forward to a new one every year. Well, no, so Lee Child stopped writing them. He gave them. Oh, to his, that whoa. fucker! He gave them to his brother Andrew what? Child. Yes. <laughs> so you can't so, do that. Yeah. What? <laughs> Yeah, he gave them to his brother um, to because Lee Child is going to be um, working on the Amazon TV series. Oh, so okay. I'm, so I'm, I'm, I've read all of the Lee Child Jack Reachers, and I'm this the last one. It was both of them, although I think this was like sort of the handoff, and it was <laughs> it was not my favorite. So I'm not looking forward to the to the new ones written by. That is such a funny dynamic. It's like when you do a training shift at a job somewhere, or it's like <laughs> I'll be shadowing you for this one. Yeah. yeah. But that's I can't believe there's a Gallagher two situation with the Jack Reacher novels. Yeah, this is like somebody saying, like, didn't you write the Da Vinci Code and be like, no, I'm my name's Don Brown. And, uh, Dan's my brother, but I am taking over the, uh, the series. It's like. I don't know. I don't know if you can do that. He also forced his brother to then take us. So Lee Child is a is a pseudonym. It's not his real name. And so he forced his brother to become Andrew Child <laughs> in order to wow. take on the, the mantle. That doesn't hit books. the same. No. <laughs> Andrew Child. <laughs> it's just like after completing two Lord of the Rings books, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien let his brother Dustin do the Return of the King. <laughs> So where where do you where do we think that this goes on the board? So I uh, I happen to really like uh, late nineties early two thousand crime dramas. Those are also same. Uh, I'm a huge fan of those. So I'd want to put Reacher like maybe just above those because I feel like it's got the same kind of appeal, but it's less straight up copaganda. All right. I think, I mean, I think that's, I hadn't really considered the, the copaganda aspect of it, but I, yeah, I do think that these are like pretty similar, uh, thing. I mean, just by their very nature and like uh, the Jack Reacher movie actually did feel kind of a lot like one of those nineties or two thousands ones where it's sort of like a mid budget movie, not like a, a huge blockbuster thing. You've got the same kind of like, uh, puzzle solving, um, itch that you scratch with a procedural um but also it's a book and books are smarter than tv so there you go yep. <laughs> you get to feel better about having read a book i would tell my friends they'd be like oh you know how are you spending quarantine i'm like i'm reading so much and they're like what are you reading i'm like that's not the point <laughs> that is not at all uh what you need to know just know that i'm reading <laughs> Well, you don't want to answer that way because then they're going to think that it's like mind comp or something. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask any follow-up questions. It's <laughs> no. Jordan Peterson's The Rules or whatever. <laughs> 
so at some point in time, if if you look at the board right now, Great British Great British Baking Show and The Last Dance are like pretty neck and neck. And the reason that they're neck and neck is because one is because we gave in to the guy who presented The Last Dance and we probably put it a little too high. He's a Bulls fan and we didn't want to hurt his feelings. Yeah, his mom <laughs> specifically didn't want us to say anything mean about the Bulls. So, uh, but the thing that Great British Baking Show has done and why it's at the top is that in terms of the genre of what it is, it has like nailed that genre so well. And I think that these books sound the same. I think that they have taken a genre and they have like so thoroughly nailed that genre that it's hard to to see it as not good. Like it it needs to register within good. David, do you agree? Is there Yeah, I mean, I think that this is I think that this is definitely good. It's like it also the other thing, the other reason that the last dance is so high is because we just sort of agreed that like Sports documentaries in general are a good genre. It's like there are very few like actually bad ones. It's a great like sports just uh, create like a good narrative that sort of propels itself, you know. So uh, and there was just like so much good B-roll and shit. But I, st- I mean, I do think that we're going to have to rearrange some of this stuff. Um, I, I think that putting this about on par with Great British Baking Show is OK with me. So here's my one question that we just need to consider. 24 books is so many books. (laughs) Is it so many books that it qualifies for quarantine? Okay. Because it doesn't feel like a thing that you would do in normal times. Reading reading all of them in one year was definitely a quarantine driven uh, situation. I would not, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have, I would have read all of them in two years had COVID not happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's almost depends on what we're going to write here. Are we going to write reading Jack Reacher novels? Because then that's very high. Or, or is it going to be reading, reading all 24 reading Jack Reacher yeah. novels? And does that change the rating? That's, that's true. Uh, I feel like reading all 24 Jack Reacher novels it definitely uh, is more quarantine good than good. And reading Jack Reacher novels is more good than quarantine good. So there's okay. a push, there's a push pull. It depends how you want to categorize it. I mean, I, I do feel like the, I feel like what goes on the card is all 24 Jack Reacher novels. I think the argument that you made though, about how this can't go below late nineties, early 2000 crime dramas it's resonating with me. I I think maybe we stick with the original take, which is this this exists between late 90s early 2000s crime dramas and L- The Last Dance. David, what are your thoughts? I think well, now that I'm thinking about this more, I think it's I think it's kind of a tie. I I, I would put I get I would get uh put it like slightly above the movies, I think. Okay. I I can I can I can do that. That's what I wanted to do, so I'm happy with that. (laughs) Well, uh, Brandy, uh, I know that this article that you wrote is called My Year with Jack Reacher, and it's on Defector. Uh, Where else can people find you on the internet to to find things that you write and make? Um, I write an advice column, (laughs) strangely enough, given I'm, you know, I don't know that I've said a lot of things that would lead people to believe I am in any (laughs) position to give anybody advice, but... (laughs) I write an advice column for Jezebel called Ask a Fuck Up, 
Um, and yeah, I great title for an advice. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, so that's where you can find me most regularly. I do some editing there and then writing various places. Um, hopefully doing more at Defector because those guys uh, are great and I really like what they do and you should subscribe to Defector if you haven't yet. Um, they do really, really um, funny sports and politics and culture stuff. So yeah, shout out to them. Seconded. We're well worth it. Uh... I, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Twitey, T-V-E-I-T-E. And I actually have comedy dates on my calendar for a few months hey. from now. So if you're in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, I'm going to be there in, <laughs> in July. Oh, the Jack Reacher of comedy has emerged in Sioux Falls. There's, there is a book, there's a book in, Dakota, in South Dakota. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. David just emerges. He owns no other clothes. He just shows up, does a bunch of shows in the same outfit, buys a new outfit, goes to a new town. The only thing I carry is like a bunch of merch. <laughs> just like... <laughs> Uh, you can find me at the Jam Ham. I don't have any uh, comedy dates as of yet, uh, but you can also listen to us every week here. We have a, a new guest every week, uh, so uh, I guess we'll, we'll talk to you then. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>